0: Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts from Freight Waves. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by our guest this week, Bob Roginson. He's the attorney who successfully fought AB5 so far in California for the California Trucking Association. He's going to tell us where the legislation and the court case stands and whether it's going to be a threat to the independent owner-operator model in trucking out in the Golden State. But first, as we usually do, we're going to turn our attention to one of the lifebloods of trucking, and that's oil, or in particular, diesel. As I record this, the price of ultra-low sulfur diesel on the CME Commodity Exchange just a day ago settled at its lowest level since July 2017. It settled around $1.56 per gallon. That's a delivery in a New York Harbor, and you're probably wondering, well, I don't pay anything close to $1.56. There's a lot of cost from getting to a, a barge delivery in New York Harbor down to the retail level. So And as I record this a day later, it's actually dropped a little bit more. So by this point, diesel's decline as a percentage basis is more than the decline in crude oil or gasoline that's gone on in the past several weeks. And at first, a lot of that was because diesel is very similar in structure to jet fuel. They're both out of what is known as the distillate family. Uh, With airline demand collapsing around the world because of the coronavirus, it made sense for jet fuel prices to collapse too, not only for them to collapse, but really for them to kind of lead the way down. Refineries would need to produce a lot less jet fuel, so instead they shift their output to diesel, driving down the uh, the price of diesel if you assume that that supply really isn't needed. But, you know, we're past that now. We're past the point where this is all just a jet fuel story. Total demand destruction. For oil in the first quarter of this year worldwide is probably going to be somewhere around 1.3 to 1.4 million barrels a day. It might be higher. And that is not all just from jet fuel. The world oil market is about 100 million barrels per day. So, you know, doing the percentage is easy to do it uh, off the base when it's 100 million. So 1.4 million barrels per day is about a loss of 1.4 percent of supply, excuse me, of demand. That probably doesn't sound like a lot, but commodity markets are really these tightly balanced organisms. You can get supply shocks that send the price soaring. You think of the cutoff of oil from Kuwait and Iraq back in 1990. I'm kind of dating myself here. But in my long career looking at oil, that really was the biggest supply shock that I've ever seen. You took a lot of oil off the market. It sent prices up by 50%, not right away, but you know from their starting point before the invasion to the high. Uh, you know demand shocks are a lot less frequent because what sort of situation creates a demand shock where you suddenly have demand collapse? I think certainly the financial crisis in two thousand and nine is one of them, but you know you're dealing with a hundred million barrels day of demand out there. What could possibly take a big chunk of that demand off the market and now we know a pandemic can or at least the fears of a pandemic, and that's what we have right here so from A recent high, the commodity price of ultra-low sulfur diesel has been cut by 50 cents a gallon. Now, you haven't seen that at the pump. The weekly DOE retail diesel price that's used for fuel surcharges is down just 15 cents a gallon from the start of the year. So as we've talked about here before on Drilling Deep, it's frustrating for carriers and shippers that they aren't getting the full benefit of these price drops. They will ultimately if the price stays down here. Eventually, retail will catch up. But I want you to ask yourself this. Do you really want that? Because if you've got crude under $50 per barrel for WTI and you've got diesel down in the $1. fifty to $1. sixty level on the CME for an extended period of time, it can really only mean one thing, and that's that the coronavirus has stuck around for an extended period of time and is wreaking havoc on the broader economy. My colleague, Zach Strickland, did some work a while ago showing a very strong correlation between freight rates and the price of diesel, and really, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Trucking volume is one of the best barometers of economic activity, and if it's weak, it's a sign of demand weakness, and that's going to be a factor in keeping the price of diesel down, too. So I can see scenarios where the two of them don't correlate exactly, but over time, you can see where the price of diesel and the price of freight rates are going to move in somewhat of tandem. So I did some quick quick checking, and the last time ultra-low sulfur diesel was down at this level on the CME, as far as the, you know, the basic price on the commodity exchange, van rates nationally, according to DAT, were about $1.78 per mile. The latest January average had them at about $1.90 per mile. So the correlation there isn't exact, but it is in at least in something that we might want to call the ballpark in comparing now and then. So yeah, you can be frustrated that you're not getting the full impact of the collapse in diesel commodity prices, but we've got a classic case of being careful what you wish for. If there's a significant drop in retail diesel prices from here, which I think certainly seems likely, can freight rates buck the trend and resist that drop? If you're a shipper, while you might welcome lower rates, they actually might be a sign of an economy that is slowing down due to the coronavirus or doing more than slowing down, and that may not be something you want. It's kind of like the old joke, two women are at a resort in the Catskills of New York, and one says to the other, you know, the food here is terrible. And the other says, yes, and such small portions, significantly lower diesel prices from here might be a large portion of something that you really would rather not ease. We're going to turn our attention now on Drilling Deep to today's guest, Bob Rogerson. Bob is a partner in the Los Angeles law firm of Ogletree Deacons, and he was one of the attorneys who has led a so far successful fight against California's AB5 law, at least as how it impacts trucking. To recap quickly, AB5 is the fairly recently passed law that, among other things, would severely restrict a company from hiring independent contractors to do work that is aligned with what the company does. So a trucking company can hire an independent accounting firm without making people, without making those accountants employees, because the trucking firm is not generally involved in accounting. But a trucking company hiring independent contractors to drive a truck would likely be seen as violating the law under AB5. But as Bob will discuss, the courts have kind of put that interpretation, or at least that that view of the law on ice. So, um, Bob, who did you represent? You represented CTA in this case, correct?
1: Yes, we represented the California Trucking Association, which is the trade association uh, representing motor carriers, and actually as well as independent contractors in California. In addition, we had uh, we represented two individual drivers, so two drivers that have worked in California as independent contractors.
0: Okay, and um, w- w- why don't you recap the ruling for us? I could do it, but uh, but you know you were there in the courtroom.
1: Sure. In in our lawsuit, we filed a lawsuit challenging AB five and the principal part that was the focus of, of the court's ruling was our challenge that the uh, uh, ABC test of AB5, particularly the B prong, the prong that required that the driver or the worker be uh, outside of the company's business, we contended that that violated a federal transportation law. And specifically, the law that we said it violated was the Federal Aviation Administrative Authorization Act, which was a law that basically says a congressional statute, a federal law, that basically said any state law that affects price, routes, or services is preempted. And it was congress's effort to uh level the playing field uh across the country and not have a patchwork of of state laws in impacting uh trucking in that's in right. what we let's argued note, let's
0: note that that law that law goes back to 1994 that was not a new law i believe that was the year that it was passed the f uh, quadruple a the federal aviation administration authorization act correct that's
1: correct that's correct and we've filed a lawsuit seeking uh, a court order to strike down AB5 on the grounds that it was preempted by this f Quad a this federal law. And the significant ruling that we achieved is we had asked at this stage in the proceeding for the court to issue a preliminary injunction. So uh, we wanted the court to stop AB5 as as enforced against um, motor carriers until such time as the court could make its final ruling. And the court did that. It issued a preliminary injunction enjoining the application of AB5 to motor carriers uh, until it's made its final decision.
0: Right. And when you read the decision by the judge, I've forgotten the judge's name now, but um, boy, it just seems highly likely that the, uh, that the temporary injunction or, uh, is, or the preliminary injunction is going to become a permanent injunction. What, what he wrote Made it very clear that, in his view a b five was a violation of federal law, so I, I mean, I have to admit that i've looked at this, as i 've looked at this case, I tend to view a b five as dead in California, at least to how it relates to trucking. but I may be getting a little bit ahead of myself would, would you would you at least concede me that well yes
1: there the, the case has been appealed now by the state as well as the Teamsters Union, which intervened in the case and and that matter is now up in front of the Court of Appeal for uh, that, that covers California, and that's the Ninth Circuit. And so this, is, this issue is going to be looked at again by the Ninth Circuit. But to your point, yes, we believe that the law here is, is very clear and, and that the order, in, in issuing the order, the court was uh, in, the, um, in, in the order is compliance with the courts and other court decisions, finding that a law like AB5 is preempted. It effectively prohibits motor carriers from contracting with independent contractor to performing trucking services.
0: Okay. So what do you tell your clients though? Okay. You can tell them that, that you just told me, but what do you tell them about the future of this law? Is, is it really completely off their radar now and business as usual? I, I would have to think that, you know, having walked to the abyss and looked in, there might be some changes in the way companies might operate. Is, is that an accurate assumption? Well, there's a couple of uh, of
1: items here that a, a motor carrier needs to look at. Number one is, is this Preliminary injunction. It's just a preliminary injunction at this point. We think it's rightly decided, and and ultimately the court is going to issue a permanent injunction, and that AB Five, as it currently exists, cannot be enforced against trucking. Uh, uh, the the Ninth Circuit is going to be the court that makes the determination on that, and and we should get a good idea of of where the court is inclined to go because the the Teamsters and the uh, and the state have appealed the preliminary injunction. And the Ninth Circuit has set that on a, a rather short briefing schedule. So we likely will get an indication of where the Ninth Circuit is looking uh, at, at, at the court's decision fairly shortly. But, uh, but regardless, I, our case is going to go forward. Uh, and, uh, and so I think uh, what we would advise clients is that we've got very, very strong arguments that this law is going to be struck down. Uh, that said there's a couple of other things that motor carriers should keep an eye on one is that California is continually challenging the use of independent contractors not only in trucking but every uh, in other industries as well and so there's currently legislation uh, to to modify ab5 we do expect that the legislation uh, the legislature may at some point look at uh, at adopting a, a different test uh, against trucking and so they're there may be new legislation that that is is maybe not as as restrictive as AB5, but presents some real
0: risk. Uh, and so right. because to- let's point out that you, you mentioned the Teamsters, that um, that a lot of the target of AB5 was trucking. There are some other industries and some other employees that have gotten caught up in this and not in a good way. But trucking was I would say to say trucking was always the biggest target.
1: Yes, the, I would also add the gig economy. Uh, it seems that the legislature was focused on the two industries, trucking and and the broader gig economy. And this is really at the behest of organized labor. They've really wanted to organize trucking, certainly, and as more and more um, – uh, Gig economy, companies begin operating. Organized labor certainly wants uh, to challenge that and get a get some representation in that market. And AB5 is being used as the vehicle to get that leveraged over those industries. I don't think there's any denying that.
0: All right. So let's go back to a question I started to ask earlier. I don't know that I completely finished it. Uh, you've got clients. You've got clients in the trucking business. You can tell them, on the one hand, good news, AB5 for now is dead. On the other hand, are you telling them to change their operations or giving them guidance on what to do? Let's let's point out that AB5 started by try, as trying to legislate the Dynamics decision, and the Dynamics decision, which kind of held the same thing, the the, the ABC test, you know, really started when Dynamics, in one fell swoop, turned all of their employees into independent contractors, regardless of whether they were really qualified to do that, to kind of run their own little business. You know, that probably wasn't strategically very smart. Um, are you giving your clients advice on how to not make similar strategic mistakes?
1: It's certainly. And, and you, you raise a good point. Even if AB5, if we're successful in AB5 is thrown out and it's declared invalid, uh, the, the test that will apply for determining whether a driver is an employee or independent contractor is going to be the old multi-factor test uh, under a case known as Borello. And the Borello test is it involves assessing several factors and the primary factor is the no, amount of control. There's been a number of decisions under the Borello test uh, where motor carriers uh, have been found to be employers and that the drivers are employees. There's decisions going both ways. But in short, uh, at at the very best case, uh, for the trucking industry, they're going to be back under the Borrello test, and under the Borrello test, it's important that they the motor carriers be able to establish that their relationship is just is not so restrictive to create an employment standard. So I think motor carriers are wise to always be reforming their business model to ensure that they can meet that multi factor test in the event that there's a challenge. Uh, so so uh, the. Carrier, motor carriers certainly are not out of the woods, as it, as it were, if AB5 is, is thrown out. They're going to still need to comply with Borello. And as I anticipate, there may be some legislation looking to even uh, put a more restrictive test than Borello for motor carriers. But, but that remains to be seen.
0: Have you heard of any impact on uh, the capacity in the state? Drivers have pulled up stakes and moved elsewhere, even though AB5 right now is not enforceable?
1: Well yes, I've heard uh, a couple of things on both sides of the legend. by that I mean on the uh, on the driver's side and on the motor carrier side. Uh, there are a number of motor carriers that are reducing or if not eliminating their use of independent contractors in California. Some have ceased working with independent contractors and, and moved to drive uh, use only employee drivers. Uh, others are, are leaving the market or not performing services in California uh, using independent contractors uh, because of, of the challenges AB5 and, and uh, other other challenges present. Uh, on the other side, we're hearing uh, of drivers that concerned, particularly as AB5 looked to go into effect in January 1, that they wanted to – they do not want to work as employee drivers. They, they believe themselves to be independent contractors. They have small business that they're developing, and there uh, was quite a bit of anecdotal information of them moving out of the state of California so that they continue to, to work as an owner-operator.
0: Yeah, it takes time to determine whether they actually did. And as you said, they're, they're kind of mostly stories. Um, now, let's also point out that there were two court cases. I don't know if you were involved in the second one, but there was a state court case uh, on the issue that really said the same thing as the federal case, which was that the four quad A, as you called it, um, would have eventually negated AB5 in California. Does that help you going forward or is the federal case really the more important one?
1: Uh, Well, yes, you're referring to the Cal Cartage transportation case by the city of Los Angeles. Uh, And the judge in that case is a state court judge. I was not involved in that case. I'm not representing the company in that case. Uh, But that's a very, very favorable decision. Uh, Insofar as it it came came to many of the same conclusions as the court in our case did. Uh, And while the two do not control one another. One is a state court judge, one is a federal court judge, and they're going to go up on appeal within the state system and the federal system. I do think each decision is going to be used and relied upon the parties in their own respective cases uh, because the, the reasoning and rationale in both decisions is very strong. And, uh, and so I, I do think it'll play that type of role, a persuasive role in, uh, in how courts look at this going forward.
0: You mentioned the Senate bill. Let's go back to that for a second. Um, have you seen a draft of it? Are you do you know what's in it? And is it better or worse? Is it, was it mostly was it mostly written to try to get trucking back into the fold here?
1: Well, no. I, I and, and let me be clear. In California's legislative cycle, it start it's a two year cycle, and we're just at the very beginning of the second of two years. And uh, and so new bills are just being introduced at this time, and it's very difficult to glean. Uh, where these bills will go i haven't seen any bills specifically targeting trucking but as you may have heard there's a number of workers whether it's freelance or people in the entertainment industry or small theaters a number of other industries that are very very where the workers the workers are very upset with ab5 and the the bill's author Lorena gonzalez uh has a, a uh, introduced a couple of bills for the purposes of of reforming ab5 and perhaps revising ab5 to add a little more flexibility so i think that's going to present a possible opportunity for trucking to uh to have a get another look
0: Yeah, but it does seem that uh, I've seen some of the tweets from some of these freelancers, and a lot of them on a very personal level are really heartbreaking. People saying, you destroyed my career, you destroyed my life, my income is down X percentage. And what I've seen coming out of Lorena Gonzalez is not a whole lot of admission that maybe she was wrong. I also get the sense that, as I mentioned earlier, that trucking was always a target because she's pretty tight with the Teamsters. And so the idea that Whereas maybe some other freelancers may do well in a revised AB five, I don't know that truckers will.
1: Well, I think that I think that that's right, and maybe I'm speaking hopefully. Insofar as this AB five is devastating for for owner operators, it's just absolutely devastating. It's horrible for the drivers. It's horrible for uh, the motor carriers. It's hor- horrible for shippers and and uh, the citizens of California that depend upon on um, reliable, e- efficient delivery of goods. Uh, it really doesn't serve anyone's interest at all. And uh, I think that there are a number of legislators, uh, assembly uh, uh, members, and senators that that are starting to hear from their uh, constituents that. This AB5 was just half-baked, and uh, there, And I guess I have some, some hope that, that uh, the, those efforts may persuade uh, uh, Lorena Gonzalez to, to look towards some more clear openings on, on how um, this industry is going to be regulated in California. Uh, I, I certainly could be wrong. Uh, the teamsters have an outsized influence over the legislature. Uh, they have been able to bottle this up. They, they I think, more than any entity, um, prohibited or prevented a, a, a real pathway here for for motor carriers under AB5, some type of exemption. Uh, and they're going to continue to be as, as aggressive this year as they were last year. The, the question is whether we're going to start hearing more from constituents and drivers and the workers in, in this analysis that, that AB5 is just the wrong way to go.
0: Yeah, let's note, uh, let's note that the, um, uh, that there are other states that are looking at AB5 type laws, uh, New Jersey certainly, I think Maryland, uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York called for them. Depending on how the Ninth Circuit handles your case, the uh, California Trucking Association case, might that foreclose the possibility of AB5 type laws for trucking in other states too?
1: yes i think i think that's going to be uh, an important indication of where other courts are going to go go you've got massachusetts and and other courts that are under the federal first circuit and the first circuit which covers some of these east coast states has uh already ruled that an abc test like the type that we have here in california is preempted by the f4a and so you have that favorable ruling it's a ninth circuit uh Goes the way we believe it should be going here, and and upholding the preliminary injunction, and um, and on on the grounds that we identified, then I think that really will restrict the other states in in, in their um, uh, haste to try and create a ABC type test as restrictive as we have here in California. All
0: right, last question then: What do you think the calendar looks like in terms of getting this done?
1: Uh, on the legislation or the case? I think on the case.
0: Either. either. Yeah,
1: you know, I think on the case we're going to get uh, – we'll probably get a, a, a indication here on our preliminary injunction from the Ninth Circuit in the next uh, four to six months. And that's going to be telling. I think that's going to be a, a nice signal one way or the other. Hopefully it, it, uh, it leaves the injunction in place, which w- I think would strengthen our arguments. The legislative calendar is longer – Uh, I don't think we're going to see any real activity until the end of summer, and then the governor will have until the end of September, I believe, to uh, veto or sign any bill. Uh, And so I I don't see real clarification on the legislative side until perhaps the end of the the third quarter of of this year. Uh, We may get a good sign on, on the litigation angle a little sooner than that.
0: Well, Bob, I want to thank you for joining us. Bob Roggenson of the firm of Ogletree Deacons joining us today on Drilling Deep, talking about AB5. He is one of the attorneys who represented the California Trucking Association in their efforts so far successful to keep uh, the AB5 impact outside of the trucking industry. That's all for this week. Remember that Drilling Deep is part of the FreightCast family of podcasts from FreightWaves available on all sorts of platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. And we do hope that Drilling Deep is one of yours. Until next week, I'm John Kingston. Join us again.